Journey to Pascha, Holy Week 2020, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia. On this holy and great Monday, the Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ begins. On this day, Holy Monday, Joseph the Righteous is interpreted as a type of Christ, a prefiguration of Christ, an icon of Christ, who typified in himself through his remarkable life the betrayal, passion, death, and glorification of our Lord Jesus Christ. On this day, Holy Monday, we commemorate Christ's encounter with the fig tree, which the Lord found adorned with leaves, but bearing no fruit on his return to Jerusalem. On this day, Holy Monday, we also reflect on the divine bridegroom of the church. This is the journey to Pascha. Holy Monday, Joseph the Righteous. On Holy Monday, we commemorate Joseph the Patriarch, the beloved son of Jacob. Our patristic and liturgical tradition portrays Joseph as Hippos Christus, in other words, a prototype of Christ. His life bears witness to the power of God's love and God's providence. Joseph is remembered for the love he showed to those who wronged him, just as our Lord forgave those who crucified him. In Genesis 50, we read how he addressed his brothers, who had previously betrayed him. He said to them, Fear not, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. In relation to forgiving one's enemies, Saint Siloan states that the imitation of Christ is when we love our enemies and do good to them. How was it that Joseph could love his brothers who had wronged him because of envy? Why does our church name him the all good? Joseph was the favoured son of the patriarch Jacob. This favouritism may have led to his brothers becoming envious of him. They sought to kill him, and then they would tell their father that a wild animal had torn him apart in the wilderness. A change in the brothers' plans, however, led to Joseph being sold into slavery, and he was not killed. So Joseph was exiled from a very young age from his father and his home and led to a foreign place, to Egypt. There he suffered because of exile, but he also prospered because God was with him. 
When his master's wife tried to tempt him, he remained staunch and said, How can I do this wickedness and sin against God? In her anger and because of her false accusations, Joseph was imprisoned. Yet even in prison, God's providence did not abandon him. Prison became a stepping stone to his social elevation. He became a prince, seated on a chariot and honoured as a king. Like Joseph, throughout history, many have faced similar challenges, such as exile because of the slander and injustice of men. And yet they have managed to overcome evil because they imitated Christ's love for his enemies. In, mo in modern Russia, in the era of persecution, a humble priest, Father Asenmi, was sent into exile because others envied him. He lived in the worst conditions, whereas once he had had a favoured position, being a historian of the Russian iconographic tradition. He was sent into the darkness of a prison cell, there where bodies and souls of exiled prisoners were systematically undermined. And yet, in that ugly place, this faithful man of God shone with the light of Christ. He was filled with peace and with compassion. And even in such impossible circumstances, he lived up to St. Paul's words, bear one another's burdens, and in that way you fulfill the law of Christ. With his love for Christ and his fellow man, this prisoner priest overcame nature. He dispelled demons, he cured the sick, he fed the hungry, he protected the fragile and the poor, he gave comfort to those who suffered, and he managed to spread hope where it seemed there was no hope. He was able to overcome his situation and triumph with the grace of God. And he had the peace of God, and so he was not afraid of the torments and the evil of this world. It was the pain of exile, imprisonment, hardship that had transformed him. His, his virtues shone even brighter in exile because he had, had accepted God's plan for him. Just as Joseph the All-Good had done thousands of years prior. Throughout history, pain has been shown to be a healer, a teacher, a path to inner freedom. And blessed are those who willingly embrace pain and hardship and can forgive those who have wronged them. Without personal experience of facing pain, our hardened hearts are not able to see our brothers with compassion. Our neighbour, who is a stranger to us, can become our friend and our brother when the barriers of human reasoning are removed and we take up the logic and the example of Christ crucified. It was Joseph's experience of overcoming temptation, pain and suffering through his steadfast, steadfast faith in God's providence that enabled him to be good and to, enabled him to show compassion and forgiveness to those who had wronged him. The commemoration of the noble, blessed and saintly Joseph reminds us that in the great events of the Old Testament, the Church recognises the realities of the New Testament and the challenges we face every day in our own lives when tested by pain in its various forms. May we too imitate Joseph the All-Good in a spirit of peace and quiet acceptance during our period of exile and see it as God's providence and as an opportunity to grow closer to our brothers and to our Lord. Amen.
Monday. Christ's encounter with the fig tree. Today, on Holy and Great Monday, we commemorate the fig tree that was cursed by Jesus and quickly withered. The story is from the Gospel of Matthew, which we heard in the Matin service last night, and which goes as follows. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. On first hearing this passage, we might be confused. What a strange event. Why did Jesus curse the fig tree and cause it to wither away? Why was this event recorded in the Bible by St. Matthew? And, more importantly, why did the Church Fathers think it was important to commemorate this event on the Monday in the holiest week of the year? Before discussing these points, let us visualize clearly what took place. Imagine seeing a large fig tree, easily taller than a human, with many branches and leaves all over it. It is full of life, just without any fruit. And, in an instant, the tree went from the fullness of life to being withered and dead. Biologically, of course, fig trees only bear fruit at the correct time of the year. For the remainder, they just exist without producing the substance that everyone wants from them. We might think that Jesus acted unfairly toward the fig tree. He expected it to have fruit at the wrong time of the year. But are we, perhaps, like the fig tree? Do we only produce spiritual fruit once or twice a year and are otherwise barren? Do we think that we will be able to tell Jesus, Stop! You can't expect spiritual fruit from me now. This is not the time of the year that I am meant to be holy. Or do we think that it is enough to be like the Pharisees and the scribes and be outwardly adorned with leaves but not have any real fruit? Brothers and sisters, if we think like this, we risk suffering the fate of the fig tree. One of the main themes of Holy Week is that of watchfulness and readiness. We do not know the hour that Jesus will come and call our souls to eternity. Let us be ready for this calling. Let us rise to the challenge and try to direct our thoughts, our actions and our feelings towards Christ. Holy Week is the perfect time to do this, to awaken our souls, not just for the period between now and Easter, but for the entire year. Holy Monday, the Bridegroom. Behold, the Bridegroom is coming in the middle of the night, and blessed is the servant he shall find awake and watching. Unworthy is the other he shall find being lazy. So take note, O my soul, 
and be not overcome by sleep, so that you are not handed over to death and shut out from the kingdom. Come to your senses and cry aloud, Holy, holy, holy are you our God. By the intercessions of the Theotokos, have mercy on us. With this opening hymn, our church changes character, leaving behind the joyful and triumphal entry of the Lord into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and entering into Holy Week as we gradually ascend to Golgotha and then onto the empty and light-filled tomb. The Matins services of the first part of Holy Week are generally known as the Bridegroom services, taking this descriptor from the hymn which we just recited, which is chanted three times each Matin service in the first half of Holy Week. The hymn speaks to us of a Bridegroom, and that Bridegroom is our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a biblical allusion, as the Old Testament has many references to the Lord God being the husband to his people, and of us being an adulterous wife. In fact, to illustrate the adultery of the people, God even commands the prophet Hosea to take a harlot for his wife. The people were adulterous when they turned to other gods, and adopted the ways of other nations and forgot the commandments of God. The Lord also speaks of this adulterous and sinful generation and asks, How long shall I be with you and bear with you? In the New Testament, we read that John the Baptist is asked as to whether he is the Christ. St. John responds saying, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, who stands close to him and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease." So St. John makes it clear that the Christ who is coming after him is the bridegroom. If we need further proof, the Lord himself refers to himself as the bridegroom when questioned about why his disciples did not fast. He points out that the children of the bridal chamber do not fast while they have the bridegroom with them but that when the bridegroom is taken from them, they will fast. So we could ask, if the Lord Jesus Christ is the bridegroom, who is the bride? The answer according to the Old Testament would be the people of Israel. This translates for us into the new Israel, the people of God, which we know as Christ's church. Our Lord makes it clear that the imagery refers to us with his parable of the ten virgins. This is one of the central themes of Holy Tuesday, which we hear in the Matin service on Holy Monday evening.
In this parable, the Lord comes in the middle of the night, and five of the virgins, the wise ones, have oil for their lamps and can be seen by him. The other five, the foolish ones, have no oil and are not recognized and do not enter into the bridal chamber. The Lord then concludes by saying, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Lord, the bridegroom, is coming. Another hymn, emphasizing its importance, is also sung three times each matin service in the first half of Holy Week, again uses the imagery of a wedding. It states, I see your wedding chamber splendidly laid out, O my Saviour, but I do not have the garment needed for me to enter it. Make bright the raiment of my soul, O giver of light, and save me. This hymn is a reference to another of the Lord's parables, one in which he likens the kingdom of heaven to a wedding banquet given by a Lord for his son, and one of the guests shows up without a wedding garment. This garment would in those days have been supplied by the very person who summoned him to the wedding. The guest who showed up without the wedding garment was thrown out of the wedding. This hymn is the ex of the first four matin services of Holy Week, a hymn which is meant to enlighten the faithful before they are called to praise God, and if a divine liturgy were to follow, to chant the great doxology to God. The ex was so important that in more ancient times it was chanted by the chanters from the centre of the Sulea and not from the chanter's normal position. The Church, with these two hymns that we have referred to, wants to set out the work that we must do if we are to truly meet the resurrected Lord and to go on and enter into the Kingdom of Heaven. We are called upon to be watchful of ourselves, knowing that this world is but passing and that the Lord is at hand. We must put away our laziness and attend to the state of our soul, struggling to make it a place worthy to receive the King of Glory. At the same time, acknowledging that we are weak, fallen and broken, we must repent and turn to Him, He who can make straight the crooked and enlighten the darkened places within us. Our whole heart must be given to Him who is our Bridegroom, who came to die on the cross and to rise from the dead so that He could marry Himself to His Church and to each of its members. May we all have a blessed Holy Week, accompanying our Lord to His Passion and being raised by His Resurrection from our death in sin, seeing with our spiritual eyes the light-filled tomb and so experiencing a foretaste of the wedding banquet which is to come.
We pray that this edition of the Journey to Pascha helps you to accompany the Lord to His Passion and His Resurrection this Holy Week. For more spiritually edifying material, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or visit lyknos.org at lychnos.org where you can find more Orthodox articles, talks and podcasts to help you on the journey to your own personal resurrection this Pascha.